Cthulhu? Cthulhu and move. Cthulhu and move. We could have a whole spinoff on Cthulhu games, I bet. Oh, sure. I bet we could do a whole spinoff on, like, we'll throw in some steampunk. You know, some like re re reimaginings of like you know in the 1920s where everything's everything's copper, or brass, <laughs> and then you know dimly the, like, lit cobblestone yeah. streets, right? Edison bulbs, and you know it's like London, but you know instead of portraying London as like an absolute crap hole, <laughs> or you know with little pockets of like culture, everything's the same. There's steam, freaking everywhere. Okay. It looks like a gently like a Joel Schumacher movie. It looks like <laughs> Batman and Robin. Uh, was uh, here's a hot take. Was Batman and Robin? <laughs> <laughs> was Batman and Robin steampunk? <laughs> Batman and Robin was steampunk, Garrett. The uh-huh. Joel Schumacher classic. Yeah, I think you, you think about the cages they were stuck in at the end that the Riddler kind of put them in. <laughs> yeah. The or that you're thinking of Batman Forever. I would say that too. Oh, fair. Both, yeah, yeah, yeah. both of the Batman both of the Ro- Batman okay. both of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Pretty steampunk. I would argue are steampunk in spirit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. How, how did we get to this? <laughs> Joel Schumacher. Just like, just like the game, the game has nothing to do with spe- steampunk. Yes, it does. I would, <laughs> say, <laughs> I would say Cthulhu and steampunk go hand in hand. They, they really do. They really do. Uh, it, you will, you will have a if you, if you're talking to someone. Look, they say people say you shouldn't go with stereotypes. You shouldn't judge groups, guys. This is how marketing works. This is how we make daily decisions in our lives based on recognizing patterns okay and here's a pattern i'm gonna tell you about right now you're talking to a person they're like yeah i i i I really do like steampunk or hey there's this new steampunk bowling alley that opened up you want to go check it out (laughs) that same person probably probably into cthulhu probably into the lovecraftian universe you think they like moscow mules yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm brass, right? they gotta they gotta have a little brass mug. Yeah. It's gotta mm-hmm. be frothy, and they gotta yeah. wear a top hat and a monocle while they're drinking it. I, and they don't yeah. believe in tetanus shots. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you were in, <laughs> if you, <laughs> they're they're anti-vaxxers. They're anti-vaxxers for the steampunk era. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm get just, this. If you were in Vegas and you bet on that, you the return would probably be profitable. Okay, you would have a good investment. It would be easy money. As you know, Garrett at the roulette table might say, "Easy, uh, if easy it, money." If black know? just hit, it's time to go black. <laughs> you gotta just double it's down. A trend. It's I, a trend. I think this might be my favorite intro <laughs> in a long time. I would oh, argue everyone. you didn't go, go off on a tangent. That was that was a secant for those I, that are familiar. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Oh, perfect. Proper proper vocabulary, and uh, now time for a proper introduction. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at some of the weirder, more bizarre, little oddly choiced board game designs that are floating around out there. And then we take them, we break them down, we see what makes them work, see what makes them maybe not work. I'm your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Youngerberg. And with me here, as always, is... Garrett Lively, the rules explainer, the box opener, and the guy that uh, puts cards in Thomas's hands when he's not looking, so we can have five-minute arguments over whether or not we're about to win the game. <laughs> Should have just let me know. Should just that was a non-consensual <laughs> card handing over. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it yet. You got to follow the rules. I announced it. <laughs> I announced it. Therefore, Here we are, I'm I cheating. said I was going to do it. Therefore, it's okay. I announced. We're good. I, I understand. I totally get that. I as long as you as long as you call it and you say you preface it with sort of like a uh, a uh, you know some sort of a warning like I feel threatened for my life. <laughs> you can you can do what needs to be done next. So uh. <laughs> and also with us here is Jeff Lee. Um, you know I often wonder if Cthulhu wasn't like this octopus head and if it was an other animal, would it be menacing because it's Cthulhu? Or would it be menacing because it's an octopus? Like, what? What if it was a horse? 
Octopi are pretty smart, is what I understand, right? Horse, horse, horses are pretty smart, but, but octopi aren't dumb. I, I feel like a horse would be kind of terrifying. Like I, every time I think about a centaur, I think it's pretty terrifying, <laughs> right? Like a man. Imagine, imagine you're the worst person you know, the worst human being you know. Probably your parents, but put them on, put them on a horse body. Okay. That is terrifying. That's, that's pretty spooky. They're much more menacing. But I mean, think about what if we did physically menacing octopus on horse body. Octopus on horse body would be pretty, pretty scary. I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's not what. What can they not do? They can swim and gallop fast. They just can't and fly. Shoot ink at you. The air is the, our last bastion. Yeah, but then they're so smart they could probably just pilot. That's fair. So that's true. we're screwed. We're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, guys, we are talking about we're talking about Cthulhu. Whether depending on who you ask, we're also talking about steampunk today as well. <laughs> but and immunology, immunologist. But, so uh, something that you're you're I got a great question. I think you're gonna love this. <laughs> you guys are gonna like this. Oh uh, yeah. Here's a great question for our audience. You'll love the way you. We listen. have currently told you that we are. Looking at a Cthulhu game. Oh, forget the fact that you saw the title of this episode. Yeah. We're telling you, we're looking at a Cthulhu cool. game. A little steampunk. Uh-oh, HP Lovecraft Universe. What game do you think we're playing today? You think we're probably playing, oh, maybe like an Arkham Horror? I mean, we could even tell them it's a spinoff. We could, yeah. we could say, hey, it's a, it's a spinoff. Oh, what uh, game do you think goes with that? Betrayal? Arkham Horror? Yeah. Man, yeah, yeah. So Ancients far, of yeah. Madness. A little story heavy. Yeah, something like that. Uh, try Pandemic. I was gonna guess Lovecraft letter, but okay. <laughs> try. There's got to be a Lovecraft letter though, right? Try like, pandemic. Hold try on. The game all about curing diseases. Uh, those are <laughs> probably the two most reskinned games: is Love Letter and Cthulhu. There's got to be a Venn diagram where there's a, <laughs> a, a, a Cthulhu letter. Love Letter. Hold on, I have to look this up. Cthulhu. Love, I would not be surprised. Garrett, place your bet right now. Cthulhu Love Letter. What are the odds? It's like minus minus two thousand. You got to put down like two thousand bucks to win a hundred. There is a Lovecraft letter. You you yeah. nailed it. Ah! <laughs> Twenty seventeen. Yeah, absolutely. That right. was not pre-planned, that folks. Not, that not, is. I did not know that game existed. <laughs> oh my god! You just you were just feeling lucky. It has. We are ensconced. Actually, I would say that the we've talked about before on this show, sort of the. Uh, the the prevalence of zombie games and zombie uh, zombie articles of media that yeah. sort of uh, proliferate through our, our our culture and how that usually you can categorize things on eras or time or you know if you want to be just you know blunt fads right when uh, we talked about how zombies were very much sort of an early 2000s thing that was really popular massive amounts of games produced between 2000 and like 2012 i I can't remember that statistics that you threw out there there's a ton where it was just an explosion Mm. uh but i would argue that the same thing has happened for cthulhu games right but i don't know the time window on that that's a good question you can you do the same thing garrett that you did on board game geek when we were looking at that zombie game we were able to determine when the explosion happens i sort of love establishing a timeline here because i imagine there probably were not that many cthulhu games like we can all agree pre-1999 when we were kids 2000 you're not seeing a lot of cthulhu stuff you're not seeing any any themed games at all i think even then right like Right. I would right, say right. that there's probably Cthulhu themed stuff, like books and comics and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of been popular since it came out. Like it's kind of been this counterculture. Well, thing. Lovecraft is like one of the most. Right. He's he's sort of up there with like Tolkien as far as like creating a universe right. in which so, uh, his characters has become archetypes that are yeah. I mean, and it, so. it's even older. I mean, what he was, what he died in the 30s. So yeah, it's it's like super super old. I think it's always had this following, but yeah, games specifically was probably more recent. It's kind of had this recent yeah. uprising. So all right, so if you sort the Board Game Geek library by theme, Cthulhu Mythos, which is it's got mm-hmm. a ton of these games. It's got Arkham Horror. It's got it's got the game we're playing today, uh, Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. You get mm-hmm. four hundred and eighty eight games that have been 
thrown lumped into this category. There may be some more. There may be some that were miscategorized, but we're we're gonna mm-hmm. work with this number here. Four hundred eighty-eight. All right. right. The earliest game we have <laughs> is Yahtzee, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume. <laughs> oh what? Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna assume there was Yahtzee. Yahtzee. No, no, no. There's a Yahtzee Cthulhu. You know, whatever game that was. We're gonna we're gonna disregard that one. <clears throat> the actual first one we're gonna look at is Dark Colts, 1983. Okay, okay. 83 to let's say uh, 2000, we had less than 10 games okay. released with the Cthulhu, the family of Cthulhu mm-hmm. uh, monikers. So that means <clears throat> from 2000 to now, in that 20 year span. So we had the 1980 to 2000 span of about 10 games and 2000 to now where we have 468 games. Mostly coming, so 2005 is when I believe Arkham Horror was released and that that's probably the the pinnacle. That's that's the one everybody points to, the standard bear of the Cthulhu mythos and mm-hmm. and especially in the board gaming hobby. So really exploding uh, after 2005 is when you're starting to see the old ones, Arkham Horror, great old ones. Um, you see Cthulhu expansions to Munchkin. You see the Yahtzee expansion for Cthulhu. You see mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu, the card game. Just everything's exploding pet, sub-2005. And really, it's heyday. I'm I'm four pages deep now, and I, I just hit 2010. So <laughs> 2005 to 2010. Uh, 2011, you get the reintroduction of Mansions of Madness, I believe. Yeah, 2011's Mansions of Madness, and they re-up the game with Cthulhu. So... 2005, 2010, you have a big explosion. And then 2011, moving forward up until probably 2015, is another huge explosion of... So it just, it's it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a virus. There's, 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 uh, <laughs> which, is, which lines up with pandemic. It, there's, there's these blooms, these, these peaks and these yeah. valleys as far as uh, its, its prevalence go. Well... Uh, Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu came out in 2016, so obviously one of the uh, one of the later uh, sort of yep. blossomings of, of Cthulhu right. fandom that sort of comes out and uh, still successful on Board Game Geek to 7,300 ratings. Wow. So probably did very well. In fact, all the Pandemic games that I've gone through because you you guys actually heard me sort of reacting to Pandemic's library. Like I knew Pandemic had a lot of variations on their main game right i own the main game i love pandemic i i i hold the belief that it is one of the best games that you can possibly use to get people into heavy board games right if you if you meet some people Mm. out there who have not necessarily tried a a newer board game or you know they're not aware that stuff beyond has sort of exists uh it's one of the best introduction games that there possibly is yeah and I knew that there was a lot of different versions of it. And whenever I go into the board game store or comic book store, I would see invariably, you know, one or two, you know, and I'd be like, okay, okay. They got their expansions, you know, you, they got to make their money. Right. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm going to list them out for I you. Had, I, I had <laughs> no idea. And I don't think this is exhaustive we either. Do, do you have the list, Jeff? Um, so just on Wikipedia, and I know I'm pretty sure this isn't even an exhaustive list. Pandemic mm-hmm. the Cure, Pandemic uh, Contagion, uh, yep. uh, Pandemic Legacy, Seasons 1, 2, and I guess there's a Season 0, which will be the prequel. Uh, Reign of Cthulhu is actually listed on here. Survival Series, so Iberia, Rising Tide, Fall of Rome. Um, Rapid Response, and then Pandemic Hot Zone. And I think this doesn't, these are all standalone, so that doesn't count any of the expansions. Because I know <laughs> that, oh, here we go, here are the expansions. On the Brink, in the Lab. State of emergency, and there are specific scenarios. Board Game Geek has twenty-one pandemic uh, games yeah. and expansions yeah. listed. I'm in not. Their database. I, I definitely knew there was more. <sighs> so what was that, Tom? Like that? Yeah, I, I don't know if that sigh was audible or not. Like I'm, I'm looking at pandemic Iberia. Yeah. And I, I really think that, you know, that there is. I, I don't know what. Because I haven't dug into the games to really see that there to see the in-depth mechanics. Because Pandemic is 
it's it's a very tightly it's a very tight game it's very very well done it's very well conceived and so i can see why it's in it's an easy slate to build a new uh you know a new a new iteration yeah yeah Yeah. an expansion of so you can build on it you can do all these different pandemic games and to their credit, while we we're paying, playing uh, this uh, the Reign of Cthulhu version, there were some slight alterations that were kind of interesting, kind of nice that I enjoyed. I I don't I don't know if I would have the uh, I don't know if I if I would have the creative juices, uh, you know, the, the gasoline inside of my uh, inside of my noggin to help me do that for twenty one games. Yeah slightly changed variants that will somehow exponentially increase the the fun and the diversity of the gameplay so that you are going to be getting an entirely new experience that you can go tell your friends about that makes owning every single pandemic game worth it. I I don't know how they do it. So um, I kind of want to give slight credit to Matt Leacock for not releasing a specific pandemic game for COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> and that bar is very low. So. You did it, buddy. <laughs> it'll it'll happen. You got to give it a few years. You got to give it a few years, and it'll. Did you guys? This this is a total side note. Garrett, you remember that one that, that we were on Kickstarter browsing because uh, this is something Garrett and I do. We browse uh, unsuccessful Kickstarters. Make ourselves feel uh, better. I remember this. <laughs> and uh, we found this one game that was like a it was a coronavirus uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. And uh, it was a game, poor game. Uh, I should <laughs> specify that. And he's making a game where people are like collecting like toilet paper and like freaking out. And this is like pretty early into the <laughs> This is probably like March or April. This is, it was yeah, ve- this is like and the March game was very February poorly prototyped, yeah. right? Like I think that also yeah. added to it. Like, yeah, you could tell it. It like it was very much rushed to sort of capitalize on the situation. And the comments are just filled with people <laughs> brutalizing this guy going how, how dare you, dare you? A situation like that. i i know someone who has covid you think this is funny you think this is funny and, oh, it was hilarious it was and, hilarious uh, i think he wound up canceling yeah he canceled it he canceled and he it. was yeah, actually because... getting some traction like he was on his way I, th- I believe he was on his way to meet his goal i, I don't i can't i don't think the goal is that it. much either no um, it wasn't and, and it was but, but he was on his but he was getting so much hatred people were like backing for a dollar just so they could just comment to scream and then him. they would cancel <laughs> that's great i want to know if um like you know obviously we for those of you that are new to this show we ran our own kickstarter and thank goodness it was successful but and there was a range a huge roller coaster of emotions i want to know what he felt in that time oh, where he's like oh, skyrocketing god. he's like oh yeah this is going to be you know people are actually kind of interested in this oh my god <laughs> people are mad <laughs> people are furious at like me. It was it was like it was like a sixty forty mix. Sixty people were just chewing them out in the comments, and then you had like a lesser amount of people who were just like, the big "Hey, deal. I think it's gonna be fun." You know, <laughs> hey, we need to laugh, and it was it was just a, it was a crap show. It was yeah. a garbage show. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad pandemic had the wherewithal to not make the coronavirus game yet. yet. Time time makes everything funny, as we all know. As we, you know, we're being mature individuals here. We realize that you know humor is what uh, is what pulls us together. So right. we're very excited, pandemic, for your uh, your your we know inevitable coming. reskin of uh, of how how we've handled. Well, fortunately for globally. pandemic, the fall of Rome has become funny, and the deaths that resulted in the Cthulhu invasion back in the uh, Victorian era London has now become mm-hmm. funny. So we are right. we are good to go with these. I'm excited that we can jump mm-hmm. into these and finally uh, break some yeah. break some ground here. Yes, enough messing around, Garrett. So when you take a look at this, uh, the pandemic. Uh, Cthulhu, Reign of Cthulhu version. We crack open that box. What are they gonna find? Are they gonna find multicolored cubes? No. What do we What do we got here? No way. Up? No way. Open up Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. You're gonna find yourself a uh, a nice map, a, a great map, in fact. Well, well drawn with dimly lit streets of I, I presume. Does I, I'm not familiar with the Cthulhu mythos. Is it Is it actually London or is it? It's Victorian. It is Victorian. a. Uh, Does it matter? Yeah, yeah. But I would it, but say Arkham either... is always synonymous <laughs> with the Cthulhu mythos. So mm-hmm. you've got the towns of Arkham, Innsmouth, 
uh, Dunwich and Kingsport, and those are going to be played. Or sorry, uh, that, that's going to compose your map. And then generally, in a, if you've played Pandemic, you have little cities or zones within those areas that uh, you are all connected by lines, which are routes that you can travel along. Then you have your player cards, which are going to be, it's going to be a deck of, I, I think it's like 40 cards, 40 or so cards. And each mm-hmm. of those cards is going to correspond to each of those four towns that I just laid out. Arkham, Innsmouth, Dunwich, and Kingsport, color-coordinated, green, purple, yellow, red. And then you have a deck of summon summoning cards. And these cards are going to be the specific locations within those towns. Uh, so the player deck is usually going to be good. You're going to use those at uh, various points of the game to <clears throat> perform actions, move around the town, uh, close close the portal, the gate that uh, the, the monsters are coming from. And also the summoning cards are going to be more bad. Those are going to be where cultists are going to start showing up, uh, where the shogoths are going to start showing up. These cultists and shogoths have their own miniatures, very nicely created, um, in the vein of not not so much cubes, but you know, tiny little plastic miniatures. They're they're nice. They're good. Their pandemics clearly come a long way. It, it doesn't have a. <laughs> they, do, they maybe I I don't want to spoil too much, but if you have played some of their games that may or may not have spoilers, they they took a cue from those games and and were able to to create things that are representative of what they are what they're actually portraying. So mm-hmm. little plastic miniatures. for I don't know. Cubes make me, uh, you know, I feel like I need to get vaccinated against cubes. Yeah. So. <laughs> they definitely give me anxiety whenever I drop one. And uh, like, <laughs> I have to recount them gone. all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, and then those are the, the main card decks that you're going to be using. There's a couple of other cards in the game. There are relics, which are going to be shuffled mostly into the player deck. These are just going to give you special one-time use abilities. And then the big baddies of the game are the old ones. The old ones are the uh, one of the timekeeping mechanics in the game. If seven of them are revealed or the seventh one is revealed, you automatically lose the game. But these old ones are going to be various penalties that occur um, as more and stronger monsters start being summoned. Uh, these cards are, I think there's like, close to 15 or 20 of these cards and you're going to play with six in the game and then the when the seventh one would come up that's when you lose the game but the six are going to be the ones that have effects these are going to have various effects throughout the game and then all that's left is your player characters you're going to have uh, i think that's a group of seven characters that you can choose from each character comes with their own little plastic miniature that you're going to place on the board and that's it you go through the game and move you're trying to uh close the gates that the cultists are trying to summon more monsters you're trying to defeat the shogoths defeat the cultists and if you close all four gates you win pretty simple very similar to the pandemic system of cleaning up cubes uh discovering a cure except in this case instead of discovering a cure you're closing a gate and preventing managing the the deck of cards that has a, a little bit of player agency that you can manipulate that um, you you basically know which cards are in the deck and which which targets are most highly contentious. Um, I think that's about it. Does anybody else want to say anything? I, oh, one other thing. There's a, a, one other new mechanic in this game called Sanity. So each player starts the game with four Sanity tokens, and there's a Sanity die that you roll each time you do various actions. Um, if you lose all of your Sanity, your character goes insane, which is a brand new mechanic. In your insane state, you usually have a couple of penalties and maybe like a uh, supercharged action that that comes at a high price. Um, once you're insane, you don't roll the sanity, or you, you you're not too worried about sanity anymore. But you uh, are are it's harder for you to do most yeah. things. Each character sort of has these uh, these their what's sort of creative done in a very creative way is they've taken the advantages of each character and turned them into disadvantages. For example, if your sanity reaches zero for my character, I was the hunter. The hunter had a special ability. She could, uh, every, she's basically the medic in, uh, in pandemic. Mm -hmm. She could go to a space and remove all the cultists in that one space. And she could also for an action, use it to kill a Shogoth. Mm -hmm. Which Uh, only costs three. 
yeah, which which normally would cost three. So if she goes insane, they sort of take that and they turn it on its head. And she says, actually, this person who is really good at getting rid of cultists, now every time that now that you're insane, you move into a space that has no cultists in it. Mm-hmm. You have to roll the sanity die, and if you roll a sanity, and you don't actually add a sanity, but instead you add a cultist to the empty space Oof. you are in. So she goes from being your cultist exterminator to your cultist uh, propagator. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it's, thankfully, I did not. I did not go insane in this game. I um. I want to talk about, I guess, the the theming in the game in general, um, and then mm-hmm. we can maybe dig into how the rules change. I think overall, like. The artwork was really, really good in this game. I, um, you know, I, I, I know we trashed on Cthulhu as a theme overall, but I think if you are a Cthulhu fan, I think you'll be yeah. pretty happy with the art in this game. It seems like oh yeah, it's yeah. done really well. It's not that mm-hmm. cheesy. Um, it's definitely in the Cthulhu or H.P. Lovecraft world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they turn, uh, they remove flying with airplanes and they turn them into buses. Um, they do a little bit different, uh, there's like a small difference in that, um, I guess you have these seals, right? And the seals are, um, what they, before in the, in the previous game were like research, uh, research centers, right? Um, right. They, yeah. So they're, they're the gates, the gates to the, I guess the parallel dimension. Right. Right. Cthulhu and so, and so you have them. to go there and seal them. That That's kind of the same. I mean, there were some parallels that they drew that didn't seem forced. And that's what I liked about the theming of the game. Mm-hmm. We've definitely played games before where, um, yeah. they just say, oh, this is like, I think talk, talk about Scooby-Doo, for example, where we weren't, you know, it wasn't quite clear when you were a good guy, like Shaggy and all of a sudden you became a bad guy. And then later they right. explain in the rules a bit, but it's just kind of, kind of a cheap way to get rid of or kind of cover up that mechanic. Yeah. You get, you get thrown in the broom closet. Is exactly. Is essentially yeah. what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's a little cheap, but in this game, like it, everything kind of makes sense about why you're doing things and mm-hmm. nothing felt like, Oh, why would I, as a character in the Cthulhu realm want to do this? Um, it why all would I go, of, why would I start all of a sudden adding cultists? To yeah. The board? Yeah, exactly. And, unless I'm crazy. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. I think that part of the game was really nice. Um, for the most part, it was mappable to uh, to mm. Pandemic, which, I mean, for, yes. there's, like, good and bad, right? Um, I think part of it is, like, I, I, I'm curious about... I'm curious to know, like, if I were to evaluate this game and I had never played Pandemic, would I have enjoyed it? Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely, um, absolutely great point. I, and real quick, I, I do want to say, so one other major difference, as you were alluding to, the bus system mm-hmm. in... In Pandemic, if you've played Pandemic, usually you can fly to any location if you have the corresponding card. So Reign of Cthulhu really turns, not, not turns it on its head, but really changes it up. It, it makes a subtle change, but it, it, it really changes the way you interact with the board and how you move around. So in Pandemic, every single city is present and accounted for in the player deck. In Reign of Cthulhu you have the neighborhoods that you need to go to. And those are the only cards on the player deck. So you just have, there's basically four cards that repeat over and over and over again mm-hmm. in the player deck. And those are the neighborhoods that you need to go to. And so instead of having to have the exact right card, unless you're a specific character, you can have just the right neighborhood that you need to travel from. And that's right. essentially how you can travel on the buses. They have specific bus stations <clears throat> in Reign of Cthulhu that you have to be at to get the most efficient form of travel. But um, I think it's a I think I think it's a nice touch because in in pandemic you're chartering a flight or you're flying or taking a helicopter in Randy Cthulhu I mean you can't just call a bus in the down some alley right you have to you would have to go to the bus stop right um, so I, I I think that does make a little bit more thematic sense so I, I do agree that yeah they, they took a little bit of thought and effort and as far as placing I, where they wanted to go I do want to touch more about movement because uh, in pandemic movement is really really critical. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, those of you that have played Pandemic at home, obviously a lot of times you have to match the city you're in or match the city you're going to, and then that doesn't right. necessarily get to you to where you want. Um, and then there's, you know, the map is a lot larger in regular Pandemic than, than in, mm-hmm. um, Raid of Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, and so I think that made this game feel like movement wasn't as, uh, I, I think it was a good balance. I think in this game, movement was just enough. Uh, difficulty of movement was just enough to where it felt like, oh, I need to plan my steps. I need to get from A to B. But it never felt like it was going to be impossible to get to the other corner of the earth. Like sometimes it feels like right. that in Pandemic um, right. where you're like, I there's no way I'm going to get to you. 
Uh, What's the city in, to, in South America? There's uh, no way I'm going to get to Bangkok. Or, uh, no, that's, uh, what is the city in South America? That's it's awesome. not Buenos Aires. It's uh, uh, Sao Santiago or Lagos. Lagos? Unpull it up. Up. Anyways, yeah, no, I, Santiago. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Santiago, yeah. <laughs> one way in and out. Yeah, it's it's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst one. If you're ever there, like get out of it. It's like it's so hard to Santiago, Chile. Yeah. I so they. What's interesting to me, and one thing I want to comment on about movement is that they made it easier, right? Yeah. Objectively, they made it yeah. easier. Easier color cards as opposed to city cards. And you might think that this is actually going to sort of, you know, it might make the game too easy. Uh, but one of the, I think, the best sort of balances that they struck there between the ease of movement was the introduction of the old ones cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the sort of group penalties that you have to pay that are unique to each yes. of the you know, HP Lovecraftian gods, uh, where you don't have that in the normal pandemic. You know, yeah. when you get an outbreak, you add cubes to the board and, uh, it's getting out of hand. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, now if you're introducing, if you have these portals that are open in the city, they're summoning worse and worse gods that are wreaking havoc, and each one of them has a a unique, uh, really really bad thing that you sort of have to uh, you have to deal with as a group. Whether it's discarding a, a certain amount of cards or or uh, putting uh, or removing cultists from the pool, and and cultists just like disease cubes. If you run out of them, uh, you lose. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the effects are varying degrees of uh, of badness across all the cards and there's enough of them to make every game unique yeah which i wanted to also point out right yeah, so right. you only deal like what is it eight cards eight cards gare you deal six and i think there's like 15 right so every game is actually going to be different mm-hmm. right there's you have the randomization of not only the uh the placement of the cultists as in you know alluding to the placement of the disease cubes that you would see in the original game, but the other amount of uh, replayability that I think is established with this version of the game is the the handicaps through yeah. the Elder Gods that you're revealing as, you know, as you get your right. quote-unquote outbreaks. Yeah. yeah. There are, sorry, there are 12 of the old ones, and so you basically you play with half of them every time. But I, I they do... can come out in different orders and, and certainly play, play on, make those kind of like combinations that you don't necessarily just see from reading one of the cards yeah and i i really i agree with you tom 100 i really do like the fact that they uh, they added the old ones and you know sometimes when i think about these reskins or spinoffs like are there elements that i would like to add to the original game is something else i, I try to think about and i would mm-hmm. absolutely like that because you know with mm-hmm. original pandemic you the the epidemics are predictable if you've played enough games um right. you know that like oh i might you know what cities do i not want to outbreak um like so what am i trying to guard coming up in the deck. <laughs> yeah what's yeah, coming up what's... in the deck what am i so you you kind of can can prepare for some of that stuff and i like the fact that um you know because you don't know what order they're coming in and they're and they're unique i mean if the epidemic cards in the original game had even just small i mean the old ones weren't that big of changes um right there are like some small detriments here and there i mean there's arguably the one card that was the worst one was you had to ha- you had to have an additional research card to to cure, which is probably the hardest one that we got. Right. Um, but the, the rest of them weren't that bad. But I think it adds enough flavor and spin to the game to where it doesn't feel like you know every epidemic is going to be the same. And I, I really I, like I that. I totally agree. Uh, tell me if you would say that this is true, Jeff and and Garrett. They the original pandemic, Garrett. Would you categorize it as more of a Euro game, right? Much more resource management, placement, being in the right place at the right time. There are elements of prediction at play that you can sort of mitigate the cost and truly skilled players that have mastered the mechanics can uh, can have a big, big say on the way that the game sort of unravels. Would you say it probably falls into the Euro game? Yeah, I, I, it's it's somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I, I, would, I would push it in the Euro category. W- one thing... That kind of is different. It, cooperative games aren't necessarily thought of in the in the Euro category, mm-hmm. but it is one that has those mechanics. So if you if you took out the cooperation aspect of it and just thought about what mm-hmm. you're actually doing as a player, it is right. very much Euro. Like it's action Euro selection, components, yeah, yeah. action selection, yeah. you know, movement, resource management. That that is like. If I were to list the attributes of a Euro game, I'm listing Euro yeah, attributes right. yeah, there. There's components. What, I, what kind of gets I, people their panties in a wad is when you have the cooperative thing. Like, well, I should just be playing my own game. You shouldn't be coaching me through anything. <laughs> you shouldn't be telling me how to do anything. 
Um, so yeah, but I would I would agree. Yeah, I, I think it very much leans in the so in the Euro. so we take a game that's leaning Euro, yeah. and then through the addition that this thing that Jeff and I both really like, uh, you're adding a sense of randomness to it that is increasing va- va- uh, replayability. But I think you could argue it's a very much a sort of an Ameritrash <laughs> element to be adding to the game is these elder gods that will completely. You know, it's an element of it's pure. St- it's difficulty added through right. to the game through story elements that is random, that cannot be predicted, that cannot be gamed, that cannot be sort of. Uh, yeah, I never thought calculated. about that. How does Euro treat replayability and ran- like randomness and setup? Because I feel like there are Euro games that do that to some extent. Sure, right? but... sure. Yeah, I, I think you. I've talked about this before, and a lot of times in Euros, you heavily, heavily value input random randomness. You have this random setup, you have this random um, collect, or if you think about card games, you have a random hand of cards, but now it is not random, it is completely up to players how that plays out, right? So you may have been dealt a really crappy starting hand, but you're not going to encounter any more randomness other than what the other players do. Um, in this game, you have a little bit of output randomness where something you do something and now something random is going to happen. And so maybe you couldn't prepare for that by whether it's rolling a dice after you make a decision, whether it's revealing an old one after you make a decision, what, what you know, what, what have you. So I, and Pandemic has this a little bit, too, when you're um, I think in the, the what are those called? The outbreak cards in Pandemic where you yeah. pull the bottom card off the deck, which this game has an exact same mechanic. It has a little bit of output randomness, but this this game turns it up just a little bit where, yeah, you have that. And I, 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 th- I think I agree. It, it fits the fits the flavor well. Generally with, over, with uh, Euro games, you see a lot more of that input randomness versus the output randomness. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the output randomness. We've talked about how that doesn't usually feel good. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But I think it's sort of a caveat to add to that. I, I was okay with this output randomness because you were dealing with it as a group. And sort of yeah. to be able to compile your resources, it made mitigating the output randomness. It, it pushed it from levels of, oh, god dang it. This is like, I feel like I'm just being assaulted You're here. Right. And and uh, usually usually it's it's like changes to the game it's little tweaks to the game that you can then prepare for afterward so like Mm -hmm. it's like okay now you didn't know this was going to happen but since you did this now it costs one extra card to seal a gate whereas you know if you think of a game like um uh what's the big war game um axis and allies axis and allies you start a battle and then you roll dice and you lose all of your troops because you rolled bad and that just feels awful. And like your whole game, you've just spent six hours (laughs) building up this this army and you lost it because you rolled a one and Mm -hmm. it's over. Right. Or actually in that game, a six, but yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different. It, you, you want to weigh those stakes very, very carefully when you're weighing the decision to include a little bit of output randomness in the game. And, And I agree. I think it was, it was, it was used sparingly. It's just a little spice, thrown in here and it's not something generally that's going to completely wreck your entire game unless things are already going very very badly right yeah i mean i i think that the the changes that were that were done are are really well implemented and as much as i uh as as much as we like to you know playfully rip on the cthulhu hb lovecraftian universe and you know how prevalent it is it does add to that it does add to that feeling especially you know with like these new rules being implemented who's implementing the rules it's gods right yeah. you know and those are the rules right. you have to follow so <laughs> i i really I, I sort of love that aspect of it too i think um i think you're dipping into insanity here because at the beginning of the show i think you were gonna hate on the game and now i think slowly <laughs> cthulhu is bringing you onto his side i i i don't think i was gonna hate on the game you gotta i think most of our fans, I think, understand that it's perfectly capable to rag on something that you yeah. that you're enjoying, <laughs> right? right? To to talk about something and go, oh my, you know, that's why it's what you do with your brothers. You know, you 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 can make fun of them in all the most creative ways because you know, at the you deep know, down, I rate I mean, all my brothers three and a half out of ten. That's right. <laughs> Try better, Matthew. No. <laughs> um, Matt Leacock, right? Not your brother, Matt. Yeah. yeah, yeah Matt Leacock. 
Not mine. Not my Matthew. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that there are a lot of good things that this game has going for it. So let's let's throw in a big old butt here. Yeah, I, I think the question we need to ask for this game, and as it pertains to roll and move, is did we need the the twenty I don't know, 18th entry into the pandemic series with a Cthulhu theme? <laughs> it's like was this game a necessary addition does it add something to the genre right. um and is it something that hey i've already got pandemic do i need to go buy this i'm game? so torn on this because i would <laughs> like if you just pose that question to me as a general question i'd say no yeah. but because like i'm trying to think of it as if this game were standalone and it was just a cthulhu game would i feel happy about the game as it stands on some two legs or am i Oh, am I propping it up because of the pandemic? Um, and, and that's where I have a little bit of issue with how yeah. I'm rating the game or I, I guess tr- tr- how I'm trying to figure out what I would review the game at. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think, you know, if, if pandemic never became a thing and, and if this was just Reign of Cthulhu, Cthulhu I, uh-huh. I, I think it'd be okay. Like, I don't know if it, I would rate it super, super high. Like, I don't know if I'd rate it like original pandemic high. But it, the game works, and I think it's replayable, and I think if you were a Cthulhu fan, you'd have fun with it. So that's where I'm like, mm-hmm. like the meta of it, like, are we taking away, are we are we penalizing it because it's part of a, a broader, like, I guess. Your show. That's, that's the thing, I'm, I'm like, I'm torn, <laughs> like, you know, part of me is like, do I review the game on its own, or do I review it as part of a set? I think that makes a big difference, right? Well, they, they slap the name on there, so I that's think true. They, yeah, you gotta you gotta review it as a pandemic game. I think that one thing I want to add to that is, for they they've sort of dressed up the theme here for an HP Lovecraft game when it comes to pandemic because you know they they took the base foundation of pandemic and dressed up, put some fresh new clothes or whatever on the uh, the tried and true mechanics that have been established in the original game, right. and I I honestly think that pandemics mechanics are thematic and it doesn't get enough credit for that because when you're dealing with a disease or you're dealing with a pandemic as in real life we all have been when someone has it it is something that literally it just appears right the symptoms just start in front of you so the idea of sort of placing cubes on a board where you have nothing there and then all of a sudden two turns later Bam! You have three cubes there. I That sort of, while it might at first appearance seem, oh my god, this seems sort of like random that we're just putting three cubes here that represent the disease. Well, that's also the way that diseases and plagues yeah. and pandemics sort of work. Right. That just all of a sudden you have a huge spike. You're looking at the numbers on the screen or what's being reported by the media because you know they're, they're, they're focusing on it and it has this mystique about it wherein a disease just appears it's just there and it's in the numbers and it's in the news and you don't know how it got there you don't know who it came from there's no face or person that you can blame it's just it's it's people going about their day and this is a mathematical result of the events and so the cubes i feel like are actually with them just appearing are thematic in that sense but that mechanic doesn't really work for cultists i don't think because all of a sudden wow there's more cultists what what did a bus come in and (laughs) ship them in did they step out of a portal did that did like the the priest give a really convincing sermon like it doesn't make sense to me to have some of the mechanic holdouts from pandemic with this new game you know where cultists are your new disease cubes can you do that and does the mechanic work yes but it does not carry over super well to the HP Lovecraftian universe. That would be my main drawback. And I'm going to go ahead and give you guys my number early here because I've sort of been talking for a second and uh, I would hate to uh, have to ramble through this whole point again. I think that this game is a good game. I think that this game would do very well in the hands of a person who loves HP Lovecraftian's universe that has sort of been created. Uh, And I think it would do even better in a person's hands who hadn't played the original pandemic they might not necessarily pick up or know the faults of sort of like why the mechanics don't really match up thematically but i do 
And to answer that question that you ask, Garrett, does the pandemic legacy, does pandemic need this game in its lineup? I don't know how it compares to Iberia. I don't know how it compares to the fall of Rome. I don't know if they've got, if they got enough unique mechanics that add to those specific elements as well. But I don't know. I, I feel that this, this version of the game really you do see the seams in between the seams of the clothing of yeah. the uh, of the Lovecraftian universe you can see underneath it you can see pandemic showing you can see through it's and it's pandemic and yeah, you can see it's a uh, a good game and really and just clothes that you it start to rip up the stickers and you see into. yeah you, yeah you sort of see <laughs> Atlanta so I'm gonna I'm gonna give this game a uh I'm gonna give this game a 5.5 out of 10 and that's Ooh. that's where i'll leave it Oof. i, I want right. to mention uh you talked about cultists popping up um have either of you watched uh wild wild country on netflix no. it's a Mm-mm. it's a documentary it's a documentary about um a, a cult in oregon and basically had bust in all these people <laughs> so it actually <laughs> people actually did kind of pop up in that cult it's just i just thought yeah, was i was gonna ask actually tom do you think the so we, I, we didn't really touch on it, but they took out the pandemic aspect where if you add, if you would add a fourth cube to a city, it expands to all the other cities instead. They took oh, that, that out. Awful. That would have been awful. Well, do you think that would be more thematic because they're spreading as cultists, they're converting people? It just would have been so hard to beat the game. I think that's the it. Yeah, well, it sure, but, really but, but yeah, just yeah, thematic, from a theme yeah, from, from a theme percent. standpoint, instead of it just randomly popping up in a city, well, it's I, spreading. I, feel that, I still feel that that pan, that element works a little better as in, pandemic uh, okay. in 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 the disease cubes yes there is some carryover right you can yeah. have proselytizing that is happening in in sure. different block neighborhoods in different blocks and it can happen with people and different people listening to the message but that's not mentioned in the rules that's not really like these are i don't know i i feel like it works better with I the agree. cubes and it works better i with i, I think they have these portals and they should have had stuff spawning out i think the popping up though of like people in random places is the same thing like thomas was mentioning before about the disease cubes like you they are spreading clearly they're spreading by like transmission or people talk you know coming in contact with one another but you just don't see it so Mm -hmm. um that but yeah so then then the question goes back to should they have outbroke um thematically and i would say yes Mm -hmm. but uh, they probably they probably removed it because it's a difficult mechanic to uh, with, in combination with all the other stuff. But yeah, so I, I think we should know we we won our our playthrough of it, although it was very close. We were on our fifth uh, old one, and we were down to like two cultists, and we were down to like four cards. So <laughs> it was just typical in a pandemic game. You, you're usually running low on all the resources. So mm-hmm. um, we we snuck in there and were able to seal the victory and seal right. the game. Uh, so do you guys want to go over yeah. some uh, numbers on the internet before you talk? No, no, we, we can, we can do that last. <laughs> I, I think you, you had a good review there and I, I would like to echo your sentiments. Um, if, if I hadn't played pandemic and I had played this, I, it, it's interesting to kind of think about it. So if I yeah. looked at, so like, let's take three game three pandemic games, for example, that I played pandemic base, pandemic legacy, and this game, mm-hmm. I think this is the best game of those three i think this is the best like if i were only to have one of those games that i if i had a desert island game if i had to pick one of those three to take to a desert island and only play that game i'd probably pick this one yeah because pandemic legacy is a better experience but it's a one-time experience right the game that you kind of get at the end of it is not as good as this in my opinion it can be wildly imbalanced it can be super balanced it can be uh you can have super overpowered characters what have you and i think i think this improves upon pandemic as far as i think a little bit of the the mechanics i like better it's got some more difficulties with controlling the deck i I don't think it's not that pandemic is necessarily solved or solvable but a little bit less as far as like what you can plan for happening it's pretty close to solvable i think yeah yeah You, you certainly can have a uh, probably the, a, a optimum strategy yeah, right yeah. i think i think this introduced a little bit out outside of that where you, you can't quite get as close i think this is the better game that being said asking the question do did we need this game 
probably not. I don't know. I it's it's that's really hard for me to answer. I think I I don't know that this is really breaking that much new ground. Um, mm-hmm. It would have been. I, th- I I don't know. I I think it's cool, and I, I'm so torn on where to go with this. Um, like I said, I think it's the better game of those, but it's just it's so much like Pandemic, other than the old ones that. I, I don't know. I, I think the other the other benefit that Pandemic has of those games, I'm probably not going to sit down. Like if if I if I want a Desert Island game, of those three, you know, I'd, I'd probably want something else because that's not going to be something I, I really want to sink my teeth into and get really good at and, and you know play endless games like chess or something like that. But it is it's such a great introductory game as we were alluding to earlier with the Pandemic franchise, and I think mm-hmm. the base Pandemic does that better. Um, because you don't have things like the insanity, you don't have to worry about the Cthulhu and kind of those movement rules. So I think that pandemic is the base pandemic is a better entry in that standpoint. So you have this experience where legacy is better. And then you have this introductory game, this, this, uh, gate gateway game. And I think pandemic's better. And then reign of Cthulhu, while I think it's better than both of those, it's not something that I'm going to jump to and, and play necessarily. So I don't know. I'm I'm pretty torn on this. Um, and give me a number, Gear. Come I on. I don't know. I'm just I'm, I I I can't. Will it help if I, <laughs> I if I give my? No, no. I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it a six. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna go six. Okay. There right. you go. And I, I don't have a conclusion other than those are all my thoughts, and I'm torn on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I think this is probably one of the most contentious because you know it's easy for us. Usually we say. It's easy for me. It's easy for me. I mean, usually, <laughs> usually when we do Monopoly reskins, it's usually oh, this is identical to Monopoly. Yeah. And exactly. Monopoly is crappy, and so uh, we are going to rate this lower or better than Monopoly. I mean, usually right. we can use it as a baseline, but because there's enough difference in this game, it's hard for me to distinguish as, like I I told Thomas like, is this enough? Uh, did they do enough to not consider it a reskin? You know, like a full blown, and I think they right. did. Like I, I would call it a variant, more than yeah. a reskin, um, and and that you know is a nod to uh, the the differences in the game. Now I, I think I I wholeheartedly agree with you. The fact that I think this is a better game, standalone game. I think they yeah. they added enough uh, new mechanics and components between the sanity. It's not like they overblew it, right? They added the sanity cards at back in. They mm-hmm. shortened the movement. Um, and then they added the old ones with a little bit of variance in there. Um, right. And I thought that that was enough. I, you know, I thought that was enough to make Pandemic seem really interesting. And yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the hypothetical question keeps coming back. Like, what, if, if Pandemic didn't exist, would I enjoy this game more um, in a parallel universe? I think so. And I also, but I also agree with you, Garrett, that I don't think that this should have been, like, I, I don't think that this needed to be in addition to the Pandemic world right like you don't initially jump out and say it needs to have we need to have yeah. a, a cthulhu i i think with most cthulhu spinoffs like we probably didn't need a cthulhu spinoff i think they did it well Th- that doesn't mean i think they should have done it <laughs> um if that makes sense and i think you know if it, if it had its own standalone game in the universe of cthulhu that was purely about cthulhu then sure but i think this is you know obviously it's an attempt to, to branch out from pandemic and create these ties to the cthulhu world so in that case like i don't think they needed to do that but i think it's it's fine it's its own game um let me think i you know i think what's hard is that like do i penalize it or do i give it points for being in the pandemic franchise um i think if i were to take away the idea of because when i think of pandemic if i if i want to just Whenever I think about just if I want to take the pandemic mechanics and put them and like minimize them and put them aside, I think of like Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island because it's another Matt Mm -hmm. Leacock game. It's basically the same thing as Pandemic, but it's like way shorter and honestly way less thematic. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But but basically the same mechanics like and and if I were to say like, oh, um, how different is this from that game? That's how I'd kind of compare, like at its at its base level, kind of removing the layers of like theme from pandemic. So, I think I'm gonna score this the exact same. When I was when you're kind of torn with your score, Garrett, and you, I was gonna say, oh, I'll yeah. have, I'm happy to provide my score. I was thinking about giving it a six. So, I'm gonna All also right, give it a six. Nice. Well, that brings the Rough Draft Boys average to five point eight three, uh, and there are, as you alluded to, seven point three thousand ratings uh on board game geek 
uh, adding up to a 7.4. So uh, a very popular game. And actually, this is on Board Game Geek currently ranked the 356th best game overall. Dang. Uh, you know what's amazing? I could not find a single pandemic game that rated below a 7. Yeah. It's a That's pandemic insane. lift. Is it all that really that good? Like, there's not enough differences here that, like, I don't know. Are you really going to go 7.4? Like, oh, my God, this is as groundbreaking as the original pandemic. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm one of those people who plays, like, World of Warcraft and is just screaming, nerf druids! <laughs> nerf them! They're, they're too powerful. Like, do we honestly... Uh, is every game that pandemic churns built on the foundation of the mechanics in the in the pandemic universe that have been developed in the original pandemic is every game really that good i think it got the pandemic it's every lift game is sure. really that unique yeah i definitely yeah. think it got the pandemic lift um and you know i think in hindsight what is what is the original pandemic rated on board game geek let me look it up 7.6 yeah and it is the 92nd ranked game of all time and you know what ranks higher than that? Pandemic Iberia <laughs> with a 7.9. You know, and maybe that's because I, yeah, only I the think most the problem I, is like you see a new and shiny thing. Yeah. yeah, you see new and shiny thing, and maybe I I seriously doubt that most people are buying Pandemic Iberia who are not. Well, the people rather let me restate that who are buying Pandemic Iberia are the people who love Pandemic so much that they need yeah, Pandemic Iberia for the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, and that's that might have something to do with the ratings and why it is so high, because it's only people who love it that are buying it. Um, I that's But that's just shocking to me. Uh, do you guys have any, have any ratings for... Uh, I, I have a good one here from Sir Pork, and I think he, maybe he wrote this to his mom. It says, game horrible, pieces kit bash for others. Never buy this for me ever again. Mom. One out of ten. <laughs> One out of not ten. Buy this for me ever again. That's a that's a steampunk. Why would you right buy there. it again? <laughs> um uh, you kit bash Houdini from North Dakota mentioned said, uh, possibly my favorite retheming of the pandemic series. Most streamlined and e- most streamlined and easier than the original, in my opinion. So yeah, I'll I'll agree that it's more streamlined. Um mm-hmm. But I say it's easier than the original. I'm not sure. Yeah. I found one from uh, Erlender from uh, Denmark. He says, this is a bit simpler than Pandemic, but with more bells and whistles. Like, I I do. (laughs) And and, as as inverse as that that sort of seems, as much as a a contradiction as that might appear to be, it's not wrong. I, I feel like that what you just said, Jeff, sort of lends to itself. It is streamlined, but then with more street signs you know right. going along this uh this more you know one road that you're traveling there's somehow i feel like that that statement is true even though it seems like it's impossible for it to and be I, I think we have a super fan here kind of lending himself to thomas's point pandemic is one of my absolute favorite games i got hooked on board games because of pandemic so if i hear the word pandemic my eyes light up Therefore, I thought this would be a very unique twist on Pandemic. It is very unique, but once you involve rolling a die, I'm out. <laughs> I don't hate dice rolling games, and there are games I really like that involve dice, but not Pandemic. Pandemic shines with its random yet predictable deck play. When you add a die, the randomness destroys the deck puzzle. Also, some of the monsters have so much Wait, power. If what? I reveal some of them early in the game, I just quit. If you want a great twist on Pandemic, get Iberia. Or in the lab. Also, it goes without saying that Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and 2 are worth every penny. Three out of Wait, ten. Wait, so he's complaining Kentrisk. about the sanity dice? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. And how does... He says, how is the randomness of a deck different than the randomness of a deck? Like, he says, oh, man, the randomness of the die really ruins the well, randomness the deck, of the you, deck. You know, you know what's out. You know what's in yeah. it. Yeah. But I agree. You, you, if you think, so, like, let's think there's six cards in the deck and six faces of the die. You know what one of the six can come up there right. so uh, yeah i, I agree <laughs> yeah. that's pretty funny all right well uh that's that's sort of the online consensus uh if, if you dear, dear listener at home are if you're very into cthulhu and you're very into steampunk then uh you should uh give the game a give the game a try i mean it's on a tabletop sim that's where we found it so you can you can hit that up there but if you would like to hit us up instead you can do so 
by going to at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. And you can tell me, you can tell me, do you think that Batman and Robin and Batman Forever are <laughs> steampunk movies? Is that steampunk? Is that toe the line in just the right ways? I don't know. There's a lot of steam in Gotham. Hit us up at Rough Draft Games. <laughs> If you would like to send us an email, I will take any game recommendations at roughdraftgames.gmail.com. Or if you have any uh, support, if you, or if you are Matt Leacock or Mr. Chuck Yeager, and you are the designer of this game, and you can tell us what we got wrong, uh, send us an email, roughdraftgames.gmail.com. And additionally, our backer kit is live. If you want to purchase All Rise, you can check that out on our pre-order store, and that is allrisegame.backerkit.com. Very cool. And what else? I think there's a, there's one other there's one other thing that we're supposed to say in our sign off. Yeah, and uh, and lastly, um, if you want to join our cult, come on down to <laughs> roughdraftgames.com, our website where we have other things, other other episodes of Roll and Move. Uh, if you want to check out our game All Rise, like Garrett mentioned too, I'm sure we'll have a link there. Um, if you love theme, come to our thematic um, blog posts, which we have uh, other games with really heavy themes. We talk about what uh, what you can eat and listen to while you're playing some of these games. Unfortunately, I don't think we have any Cthulhu in there. Maybe you can help write an article for us. Uh, but yeah, come on down and check us out. And lastly, but not least, we'd like to thank everyone who has subscribed to this podcast and who has uh, rated it five stars on iTunes. It helps us so much with the algorithm. It helps other people find the show so that we can expand our little community and our, our interactions with the fans. We love doing that, guys. And uh, we love the emails that we get. We love uh, we love you, Sokolov. Uh, and everyone else is, is at us up. And so when you guys rate us five stars on iTunes, it helps get the word out more on the show so that we can, we can expand our audience that we have. And we, uh, you know, we all have more friends because that's what we all are. We are all friends. Us get the show and you can listen to the show. And uh, eventually Garrett's going to host a big party. We're all going to be there. And, uh, Can't wait. It's going to be great. Uh, but thank you for listening, dear listeners. And until next time, Garrett, what should we leave you? I don't know. My wife's, I think, opening a portal in the oven in the kitchen, so I'm going to have to get close to that. That's all we got for today. We'll see y'all next time.